Today I'm sitting down with Josh Johnson, who is the CEO of Hydra, which is a consultancy that helps agencies scale. And today we're going to be breaking down how he started Hydra, as well as how he was able to work as the COO at Welling Media and was able to scale them from 30k a month all the way up to 350k a month before they got acquired. You don't want to miss this one if you're in operations. And with that said, I'm Nikita from AspectAgency.com, and let's get into the podcast. Josh, what's going on? Welcome to the Scaling E-Commerce Podcast. Um, glad to have you on board. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Yeah, you were actually one of the first few people that I met in Nashville, and you were very hospitable when I first met you, and it was very nice to meet you way back in August, and now our friendship has blossomed into a point where I can have you on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, we're uh, always a big fan of, you know, as I was kind of growing within our agency, as I was getting into my own entrepreneurial journeys, like one thing that I always noticed is that there were a few people that were always really great on getting me plugged into networks, getting me plugged into the circle that I wanted to be. And so it's been something that I've been trying to do more uh, of like kind of pay it forward of, you know, this is like essentially how I, you know, got my footing and people like Eddie Maloof, people like Nick Shackelford, um, Jordan Menard, like all these guys made, uh, you know, a ton of introductions for me and invited me places, invited me to their events, like all this stuff, like when I was just getting started. So, uh, and it had a huge impact on me. And so now I'm, you know, able to do that for a lot of other people. And, uh, so that's kind of the, uh, where I got it from, you know, it's like, uh, great people before me. We're doing the same thing. So I want to make sure to continue to pay it forward to uh, people that are, you know, new in town or new in the industry, whatever it is. Right. So uh, happy to happy to do it. Yeah. I try to do the same thing whenever someone's either new to the industry or need a connection within like a specific space, making those email intros or if they're just coming into town and I know it would be a beneficial connection, you know, set up a dinner or something. So all good things there, but we're mainly here to talk about your e-com experience. Um, Right now you're more of a consultancy. So you stepped away from the agency space itself. You're now an agency for agencies. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, The consultants for consultants, coaches for coaches type of thing, you know? Yeah. But I mainly want to talk about like your day-to-day experience when you were at Welling Media. So Mm -hmm. I remember before the call, you mentioned that you took or you were you joined Welling Media when they were at 30k a month and you were mm-hmm. able to help scale them to 350k a month. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a lot of sauce in between that time period, but how did that happen? Like how did you <clears throat> even get to the point I know I think you were in operations, right? Yeah, so I was the COO over at Welling Media and uh, obviously like I'm, I'm sure a lot of the strategies have have changed now, you know, when it comes to what is happening in e-com. I've actually haven't been in e-com for uh almost over 2 years now. It'll be uh, uh in January will be 2 years of us starting the consultancy and stepping away from the agency game, but uh I stepped into the agency uh, as a COO. And uh, I, I remember coming from a- actually the fitness field before this. And I, I've told this story a few times on different podcasts and, and you know events and stuff, but I was actually in the fitness field before I even got into the agency space. I didn't even really know, like, I thought I was getting into like social media management. I thought that was like, that was what we were going to do is like social media profiles. And that was actually one of the services that we provided, but uh, I didn't really think that the North star goal or the, uh, the thing that would really grow is going to be content creation and paid media. Like those were going to be our main avenues that, that we traveled. And so when I came on board uh and Chandler, who was the CEO of Welling Media, said, hey, I need a COO. I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I don't even know what a COO is, but I'm in because <laughs> it sounds cool. Uh, so yeah, moved to Nashville, Tennessee from uh, from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And 
um, kind of took the plunge, moved out here with my, uh, uh, at that time, my fiance and didn't, didn't really look back. We just jumped two feet in and yeah, at that time we were doing like 30 K ish a month, um, in, in the agency. And I was like a glorified social media manager at the time. So I was actually just running social media accounts for some of the clients that we did have. And then eventually, uh, you know, I kind of knew like the, I guess, very basics of operations. I literally bought a book that was how to be a chief operating officer. Uh, I remember it was like one of the first operational books and it, it was such a, it's so funny because it wasn't even a good book on like service-based businesses. It was more like, I don't know, something that was a little bit more, um, like manufacturing mm-hmm. oriented. And so it didn't have anything to do with, with actually running an agency. So, um, but took a, a few tips away and kind of what I've noticed throughout some of the books that I was reading at the time was, you know, we have to get the founder removed from the day-to-day of the operation. And so that's what I started to do. And so, you know, he was operating it solo for the first year. And then I came in and year uh, at the beginning of year number two and was able to help him delegate some of the responsibilities of fulfillment. So we started taking some of that off his plate. And then as we continue to grow and land more accounts, and uh, this is actually before we were just in e-com, uh, it's funny because you kind of find your way into niches when you start an agency. We actually we were doing like drone footage for like real estate agents. We were working with people outside of e-com. It was, you know, it was a widespread, but a majority of our clients were in e-com. Eventually we niched down into e-com. But uh, with all that being said, we started to remove Chandler from the day-to-day, hiring more people, hired a media buyer, hired a, hired a creative to help us shoot the content. And before you knew it, like we had him completely removed and all he did was hunt deals and go after sales. And then after that, it was time for me to get removed from the day-to-day. So that was kind of our journey into starting to grow the agency was one, getting our CEO removed from fulfillment, but two, uh, getting myself as the COO re- removed from the day-to-day as well. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest thing that I experienced myself was when I started to step <laughs> out of fulfillment for the most part. And I started to see that like, okay, I can now focus more on the sales side, the finances side and everything else that it's one less thing I have to worry about. And I can rest at ease knowing that these projects are going to get done. So it's always a great feeling. Um, And I'm sure it's also a great feeling when you do the same thing as a COO when you were in charge of fulfillment. And then now it's like pass the baton off to someone else. So that's awesome. What would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you know, operations people might be making that, you know, obviously you want to delegate things. That's the big one, but anything in between the cracks that operations people might be missing. Yeah. hundred percent. So oftentimes there's a fear of delegation, um, and which is totally normal, but you have to be very okay with, with your team, not fulfilling or not accomplishing whatever it is that you're passing off at the highest capacity possible. Like you have to remember, like when you started the agency, when you started whatever, like your brand, whatever it is, like whatever you're trying to delegate, when you first started, you made a lot of the same mistakes that they're going to make. And so you have to give them the opportunity to make those mistakes and help coach them through hopefully faster uh, than you were able to learn it, but be able to coach them through mistakes and, and be able to get them the resources they need to continue to grow and expand in their, you know, in their craft. And so without that though, it's, it's, man, it's so hard to, to actually delegate because see, CEOs think that they have like this magical power of like, I know how to do everything perfectly right. And no one else can possibly learn what I've learned. Right. Which is like the biggest myth of them all. It's like, no, like everyone is very capable of learning what you learned. Like you're not some magical unicorn that, you know, just knows, knows the secret sauce and and no one else can figure it out. Um, So it's like, you have to be okay with letting people make mistakes and sure you sometimes you lose clients sometimes you lose customers um sometimes the reputation takes a small hit and, and that's where you have to do right by your clients and your customers and make sure you repair that reputation and you know a lot of that can be mitigated through great systems great 
uh, great operations, but there is a part of it where you, you know, it's like, that's part of growth. That's part of expansion is like, people are going to screw up. Uh, and in my opinion, that's okay. Yeah. That was the big sort of hurdle I had to mentally go over is like, you know, I was managing everything will transition from a freelancer to like then hiring people on and delegating all that. And mm-hmm. I had to see my employees sort of like fail a little bit. And I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. Let's see if we can learn from this. And eventually they did. And now they've surpassed me in my skill set. Like, and, and that's the best. That's when you know you have a great team in place is when they surpass your skill set. And you're like, oh, shoot. Like, uh, yeah, I, that, that's incredible. Like, like I didn't even know that. Uh, I love those moments of like, shoot, like, you know, uh, the, the sensei or what is it? The uh, passing the master or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the apprentice passing the master or the sensei. Right. So that, that's one of my favorite things. Good feeling. Yeah. So when it comes down to it, is there a specific like time period you'd give new people before, you know, how many, like how many fuck ups does it take before, you know, yeah. they start to. <laughs> yeah. Good, good question. Uh, normally we follow like some sort of like three strike rule when it comes to, you know, people messing up really badly. Um, normally that first time is like, Hey, like, you know, here's a mistake we made, like this is what we need to, to, to fix. And, you know, uh, obviously like this is the time that we want to fix it in. Uh, and normally like that first conversation is enough, but like sometimes like things just aren't addressed. And so, don't be afraid to address those things. And, um, I always say like, you know, bring, bring the velvet hammer of, of you, you do have to approach the situation and you do have to, to correct the mistake. But, uh, at the same time, like you don't necessarily need to need to smack the person in the face and, uh, say like, Hey, you're doing a horrible job. Right. So, um, it, for us, like we always have like a three strike rule. So first time around, it's always, Hey, this is, this is, was the mistake. This is what we need to fix. This is what we need you to accomplish. Uh, if not, this is kind of what happens next. So uh, obviously we don't want it to escalate to, you know, the the second strike, which I don't even think you call that strike. It was like, Hey, like, you know, this is what happens afterwards uh, if, if we don't fix this. Right. Um, and it would be a pretty severe, you know, mistake or, or something where it was like, you know, for us to be able to do that. Like if someone is like, just making like a small mistake, Hey, we would address it. Uh, and if we saw it like multiple times come up, then we would, you know, start implementing like an action plan or a performance improvement plan, you know, something along those lines. So uh, and if you don't have something like that for your, for your team, it's hard to keep track of that. And it can sometimes become like an HR nightmare if those things aren't, aren't documented. So if you are going to put a performance improvement plan in place, if you're actually going to give something a little bit more uh, actionable, it's good to have those things documented. So you have a paper trail of it. That's actually a good one. I'll have to start implementing that. But I had a thing where, you know, even if the employee or every time we brought on a new employee, I would always tell them like, first day, or at least after they pass the interview, like, I don't care if you fail, it's okay to fail, as long as it doesn't happen again. And obviously, some mistakes do happen again from time to time. And that's okay. But for the most part, as long as you've learned from that mistake, that's okay, because then you're getting better as a person. Like I've failed my way up to this point, you know, that's the the way it goes. Anyway, was going to transition this into the Hydra, like how you transition from Welling Media. I know you had an exit within the Mm -hmm. business and you then transitioned into managing this consultancy and then eventually having a partner in the consultancy. So how did that even come to be? Yeah. Yeah. So after the exit and, and, you know, obviously there's, there's depths to, to each of these stories for, you know, obviously, uh, and, you know, uh, Chandler and I are, are good in a a good relationship now, but, uh, uh, there was a a point during the acquisition that there was just a butting of heads and, and we just didn't see it the same way. And, um, so we had, decided it was the best time to separate ways. Um, so at that time I was like, Hey, you know, 
I need to figure something out. Like, you know, acquisition is not, not going to be enough for me to just stop working. Right. You know, but at the same time, it was like, Hey, like, let's figure out something new to do something good and productive. Well, I had actually done multiple like consulting workshops for people like Eddie Maloof. So Eddie Maloof, when, um, uh, and if you guys don't know, Eddie, Eddie runs uh, an agency called four media marketing. Uh, when he was about a seven person team, uh, it was like literally just his family. I remember all of them coming in there and, and, uh, doing a workshop with us because they wanted to build out a creative team and they had no, no clue how to do it. And so they were like, Hey, we've been watching what you guys are doing. Uh, it seems like you guys are really, you know, setting a trend here. We want to learn from you guys. And I remember them coming in and, and I ran an entire workshop for them. It was a two, two day workshop. They came into our office, uh, and I gave them just the entire playbook or I tried to give them the entire playbook that I possibly could. And it was so funny because, uh, we started with like things around culture, core values. And Eddie was like the whole time. He's like, okay, cool. Like, talk to me about the SOPs. Talk to me about this, that. And I was like, guys, like, I don't think you understand. Like, if you want this thing to bang, like, if you want this culture here, uh, if you want uh, this growth, a team that's diehard about where you're going, this has to be in place. Like, this is not an optional step, right? And so I got them very on board with that. And it's so funny because uh, if you ask Eddie today about about that specific workshop, he'll he'll tell you, he's like, it was easily one of the most critical things within our business that allowed us to grow to the point we are today because we actually have a strong culture. Our team has values that they follow and that has been a huge contributor to their growth. So uh, with all that being said, uh, I run multiple sessions like that. So uh, Justin Kelsey from Vaxa Digital, a couple of other workshops as well. Like people would actually come to us, do workshops and we never really wanted to lean on the consulting side. I always really enjoyed it, but it was like just to make some extra cash right on the side. And so for us, like uh, I was like, all right, like I kind of have a, a good relationship with a bunch of different agency owners. Um, they know who I am. Uh, and I've worked with a few of them. And so after I, I ended up leaving the agency world, I reached out to a handful of these agency owners like, hey, I'm kind of starting my own thing. I think I'm going to run a consultancy. Um, we I called it 321 Pocket Ops, which in hindsight was like the worst name ever, um, which it, the idea of it was like, you have operations in your pocket type of thing. And I was like thinking like, hey, maybe I'll be like a fractional COO or come in do like some operations done for you. And so for the first year, it was just kind of exploring what the heck am I doing? What is actually like, what is consulting? You know, do I want to be a done for you service? Do I want to be a done with you? Do I want to be a do it yourself? Like I, I didn't understand the consulting model. I actually started it and was like trying to run it like an agency. I just didn't understand how it worked. Right. And so uh, eventually we got to a point of like, okay, we're going to do a done with you model. Uh, and we do a little bit of done for you. Just like if someone can't figure it out, like I'll just jump in there and, and, and fix it for them real quick. But um, it's most a done with you model. And, and that's what we kind of landed on. Eventually we transitioned into uh, a rebrand uh, this earlier this year, uh, transitioned into Hydra. And then after Hydra, uh, I brought on uh, Nicholas shortly after that. Well, actually, I think Nicholas joined us before the rebrand. So he was very um, like in the mix from the beginning. So he was just someone I talked to about consulting um, and just figuring things out. And before you know it, he was like building templates for us. He's building curriculum out. And I was like, this is cool. I was like, dude, like you should let me pay you for some of this. Cause like, like you're putting in a decent amount of hours. So started paying them like two grand a month just to like help me with some, some random stuff here and there, which is like nothing. Like if you guys know Nicholas at all, he's a very successful past agency owner as well. Sold his agency, uh, worked for, uh, the agency that ended up buying his agency and uh, was the vice president there. $2,000 a month for him was like, whatever. Uh, but he was like super passionate about it and he was really excited to do it. And then eventually he was like, Hey man, like I'd actually be interested in like doing this a little bit more full-time capacity. He's doing like a private equity fund currently and uh, raising some capital for a few of his own projects. 
projects. And so that takes some time, right? And so he needed something to fill time. And now he does it full time with us. I made him a, an equity partner in, in the consultancy because you're doing like 40 hours of work for like $2,000 a month. I was like, this is insane. And so eventually we had the conversation of like, hey, what does it look like to partner together? And so uh, we ended up partnering together. And uh, yeah, we've just been uh, honestly, for the past year, just working on on product and service, right? We we wanted to have the best product, the best service possible. So you know, clients had great success, and they were getting something that they couldn't learn anywhere else, right? And so we wanted to just have a, an eight tier product, and that's what we've really been focusing on. And and uh, if you look at our growth, our growth has been great, but uh, I mean, there are definitely a lot faster scaling consultancies, agencies, uh, even our own agency was a faster scaling agency than what we're doing now. But for us, like we wanted to take a little bit different approach as far as like the speed of scale uh, versus like churning clients and and having it be like a really sticky service. Right. So that's kind of the the full scope and kind of where we're at today. But yeah, it, it started off as just like a like one off consulting services with random agency owners that would just find us on Instagram and stuff. And uh, it evolved into what it is today. It's funny that you mentioned that story with Eddie Malouf, because when I first heard of, about him, I think it was like in a group <laughs> chat and he was offering like the, those four media newsletters. Yep. And when I went through all of his content, it's been nothing but culture, culture, culture. So it's funny that you mentioned that beforehand, yeah. it was nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's the biggest thing was, you know, um, they were like just moving into their first office. They didn't really have a culture yet. They were just figuring things out themselves. Um, and so at that time it was, it was kind of cool to see them evolve and evolve so quickly. Now, now they're far past anything that I ever did with my agency. I mean, they're, they're running a very successful agency. They've got a hundred plus employees across all over the world now it's it's absolutely insane it's it's quite the fine-tuned operation so um you know they've surpassed definitely surpassed my knowledge level when it comes to the size of agency and they've got great operators they got a great team and but that all stemmed from a great culture right and that's what we can kind of take from that lesson is like you know if you don't invest into culture if you don't invest into team it's gonna be really difficult for you to scale because uh you know, the team won't be as bought in and chances are those people will turn out and just find a different job. So, and he's, he's had a lot of the same team since he came and consulted with us almost two, two and a half years ago. Yeah, that's, that's definitely interesting. And I kind of want to brush on culture a little bit before we end. Culture is such a very abstract term when it comes to agencies, because some yeah. of them are remote, like ours is fully remote. Yeah. Some of them are half remote, half office. So like, what do you think are like the most important factors when it comes down to the culture side of things? Yeah, you know, it's it, it it's something that we're still even trying to navigate with us because we're a fully remote team as well. So it's it's something that even we're still trying to navigate when it comes to like a remote team. But I would say if you had like, I can definitely speak on like the in-person team because that's a majority of, of how much time I've spent in, in the workforce, uh, if you would. Like that's, I spent time with teams that were internal, right? And so- uh, you know, on that side, there is an energy about just being in the same room as other people. Like culture develops naturally through the people that are within your your four walls, right? And so for that, like we actually didn't have to try that hard to develop a strong culture. We had our, our base values and it was like uh, the perfect example that I could give is like a sandbox, right? And and like, here's our four walls of the sandbox and you do you can build whatever castle you want within these four walls and, and our walls are our values, right? So it's like, there's our core values. Like we can play within this sandbox, but as soon as we start going outside of the sandbox, that's when we, you know, tend to tend to get in trouble, right? Uh, like we leave our, our safety zone. And so it's like, hey, build whatever skyscraper, build whatever you want, 
within the sandbox. But, you know, if we start moving outside of our values, then, you know, that's where the problems tend to hit. And so what, what's great is like people take those values and they mold them into, uh, into culture, right? Which once again, very, uh, <laughs> very pie in the sky uh, type, type analogy there. But that's truly what it is. Like culture is made up of the people within, um, but you do need those frameworks. You do need those guiding rails of, of having some sort of values in place. So you guys can make decisions based off of those things. You can hire, fire, promote within simply off of values, right? And I, so that's where I think it starts. I think it starts there and culture is developed by the people within the business. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember uh, like a year ago or two years ago, I implemented like a, it's like a you don't see it, but there's like a, a framed piece of paper that has all the mission, vision, and principles that I have for the business. Yeah. And I introduced that into my team and they're like, okay, great. Like we reviewed it multiple times, you know, and I ref referred to it here and there of like, hey, we need to work on clients first. Like everything is client, clients first, business second. And it's funny now, like that gets mentioned without even like any reminders or whenever yeah. like a situation comes up, it's like, hey, I'm working on this because we need to get this done for the client first. I'll work on, let's say, re renovating the website later, or I'll work on this later because it's not important because we have to get this done for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, I mean, when it comes to values, like when you believe in them wholeheartedly and like your actions speak from them, people don't need don't need a poster on a wall, right? It's like don't get me wrong, like great to have, like if you have if you have your core values on a poster or whatever, it's like totally cool. But it's more than just that, right? It's it's the day to day actions, and the best way to do that is obviously reflect on those on a regular cadence. But also, someone does a great job reflected on a core value of like, hey, this was an example of clients first, awesome job, Nikita, right? Or yeah. When when someone is making a mistake, hey guys, like we put this on the back burner way too long. This is this goes against our core value of clients first, right? It's like this is why this client left us is because we didn't put them first. Like it was not the priority, right? And that's one of our core values. And so we need to change that, right? And so that's essentially, like I said, we make all of our decisions based off of core values. And what's great is like it doesn't leave you stagnant, doesn't keep you kind of guessing what decision you should make, but aligns with your core values. It's clear, yes. If it doesn't, it's clear no. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point to end on. So with that said, where can people find you, Josh? Yeah, you can find me uh, pretty much on any social platform, I think at this point, uh, at Joshy Kobayashi. So J-O-S-H-Y-K-O-B-Y-A-S-H-I uh, on pretty much any social platform. So we got YouTube, we got Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the good ones. So Fantastic. Yeah, man. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. And uh, I'll see you whenever in person, yeah, I guess. So, sounds good, man. Yeah, we're, we're going to get the workshops uh, uh, going back up in December. So uh, we'll, we'll be doing a monthly workshop. So I'll, uh, I'll definitely I'll let you know when that's getting launched again. People of Nashville in the agency space, follow Josh for the monthly workshops. Yeah. Once... Once a month on Thursdays. Yes. So. Yeah. Once a month on, on Thursdays, we'll we'll bring it back. I don't know which date it's going to be yet, but uh, we're getting our December calendar kind of solidified now and uh, should have a good idea, uh, hopefully within the first week here. So fantastic, man. Well, I'll see you in the next one. All right, buddy. See ya. Thanks again for joining us on the Scaling E-Commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter.
If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you wanna stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.